Psalms 103, let's stand on the Word of God, and I want to read through verse um, 19 uh, tonight, and I might not finish it, but we always got another Sunday, amen? It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. I love His holy name, don't you? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgetting all of His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Think about that. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. If you have any loving kindness and tender mercy about you, it's because he crowned you. It says, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt, this is so wonderful, he has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as the flowers of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercies of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto the children's children. To such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them, the Lord has prepared his throne in heaven and his kingdom ruleth over all. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the praise. And thank you, God, not only ministering from pulpit to pew, but from pew to pew and from heart to heart. And Lord, there's such a sweet spirit in this place. I feel like I shouldn't even move or maybe say anything but give an invitation. But Lord, help us as we take a few minutes and just rehearse and remember and never forget your mercies that are new every day. God, thank you. It's such a insignificant way of saying it. I don't know how else to say it. And we say thank you to a lot of things and a lot of people. But God, help us to never lose our thanksgiving. God, help us to be so grateful. And God, help us to be gracious by your Spirit. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for what you do in and through this service for your glory. Amen. I want you to see several things out of this psalm, and I'm just going to summarize it just for a few minutes. It's eight minutes till seven. I'll be finished by eight minutes till eight. No, no, it won't be that long. But um, first of all, I want you to see the object of praise. You know, the psalmist is all praise. There's no supplication in it. This psalm is a pattern of all true praise. And so it is that God gives us a pattern. He gives us a, a pattern of how to praise God. And I'm not going to have many subpoints. I just want to give you these thoughts. Folks, first of all, we need to see the object is the Lord. It says, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Folks, I, I, I believe with all my heart that God is a patient God, but
Because we give him a, we give credit to a lot of people what he does in our life. How he's blessed us and how he's helped us and how he saved us. It says, Oh my soul. Um, and then it goes on to say, And all that is within me, bless his holy name. I don't believe you can ever praise God unless you realize who he is. That he's a holy God. He's not coming down on your level for you to manage him. He's a God. He's Lord God. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Almighty God. He's the Lord of hosts. Amen. And folks, he's a, and only a holy soul can bless his holy name. In other words, you need the Holy Ghost to make God real. You need the Holy Ghost to give you boldness and courage to die to self and give him the glory for all that he's doing. It's a personal praise. The Bible says, oh, my soul. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And David sinned greatly. David committed adultery. David committed murder. David was responsible for 70,000 people to die because of his pride, which was the greater sin of all. And he said, oh, my soul. Now, folks, I want to say this. You're just as a, a much a sinner as David in your heart. That God has saved you, and he had to save you by his holy blood that was shed at Calvary. And then his spiritual soul, oh, my soul. And so it's, with, it's with a purpose. Look at verse 2. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I didn't call it benefits. God called it benefits. And folks, the reason it's a benefit because it fits you personally. God knows exactly what you need and when you need it. And then second of all, I want you to notice the chief cause of failure to render praise. There's an object of praise, but there's a chief uh, cause of failure. I'm going to make sure it's on the wall. Amen. And that is we forget. We have spiritual amnesia. We don't mean to, but we get so wrapped up in everything else that we, we, we pledge allegiance not to the Lamb, but to the things around us and the people around us and even ourselves. In Psalms 106, would you turn over there real quick? Psalms 106 and verse 7, please. The Bible says this, Our fathers un understood not the wonders in Egypt. Folks, I believe that we get over the wonder of it all. Oh, Al Smith, I hadn't heard him sing in a long time. He's in heaven, and I, had, you know, I don't want to hear him sing personally tonight, but I want to tell you something, friend. He used to have a song, The Wonder of It All. And folks, sometimes we lose the wonder of being saved. Folks, we need to get over uh, a lot of things and forgive. And thank God for the grace to forgive. We should never get over how much he's forgiven us. It says this, they remembered not the multitude of mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. They were backed up and they started clamoring. They started murmuring. Must have been a Baptist group, amen. They started complaining. Hey, Moses, why are you leading us out here? And the Pharaoh army's coming down on us. And he said, be still. What he's really saying is, would you keep your mouth shut just for a minute? We're going to see the salvation of the Lord. And he lifted that staff and boy, that sea split. And I don't know exactly how it split. But folks, it split good enough for them to ride across it and travel across it, millions of them. And then he swallowed up Pharaoh's army. That's mercy. 
That's God. That's God. And folks, that happened. That really happened. Some people said, no, it wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea, and it's only a few inches deep. Well, there's a greater miracle then. A whole army of Pharaoh's army could drowned in a, in a three-inch uh, uh, river called the Reed River. That's pretty good too, amen? But that's not it. It was the Red Sea, amen? And it was deep and it was wide. God performed a miracle. They forgot it. They forgot it. Bible says, our father understood not the wonders of Egypt. <clears throat> then look at verse 13 of, of Psalms 106. <laughs> look at this. It says, they soon forgot his works they waited not for his counsel. They forgot it. They got over it. Folks, you get over it when you stop praising him. You get over it when you stop being praiseworthy. Uh, you, you, you're, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You don't need to shout praises. You're to show praises. Your life should show it. When you show up, you're showing praise. When you read your Bible, you're showing your children who you get your instruction from, who, 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 how much you believe the Word of God. When you read it, when you memorize it, and most indeed when you live it. Look at verse 21, Psalms 106, please. They forgot God, their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Now, what a psalm. It's almost a history lesson. But it's a terrible history lesson. That the children of Israel that were set free forgot God. And can I say America has forgot God tonight? Folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, the truth has fallen in the streets. And folks, it's not uh, vogue and it's not uh, politically correct to recognize God. Well, just count me incorrect politically then. Because we're going to recognize God around here. And we need to pray for our nation to come back to God. It's our only hope. How God has forgiven us. That's the root of all blessing. Calvary covers it all. We forget where God found us. Remember where God found you? Selling your blood on the side of the road for another high? In religion, dead as a doornail, headed to hell, thinking you were good enough to get saved by your works? The state of the natural man is deplorable in the sight of God. You'll read Psalms 14 sometimes. It says, a fool has said that there is no God. There are a few characteristics of the one who lacks the life of God. Let me just give them to you real quick. Carnal state. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Romans 8, 7. Deceitful state. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? The Hebrew context, Jeremiah 17, 9. You don't know your heart. Well, if I know my heart, I'm not, uh, this is not a sin. You don't know your heart. God knows your heart. You ought to thank God for Holy Ghost conviction. Amen. That tells you what's right. And then there's unrighteous state. None is righteous. No, not one. Romans 3, 10. You was unrighteous. And you could never get right climbing a ladder. You had to come through the cross. Hey, you were not only carnal and deceitful and unrighteous, the Bible says you were lifeless. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. Ephesians 2.1. I'm going to remind you where God found you. He found you dead 
in your sins and trespasses. You had nothing to offer God, and God raised you up from the dead. That's a picture of salvation. Uh, you were in a godless state without God, Ephesians 2.12 says. You're in a Christless state without Christ. Same verse, Ephesians 2.12. You're in a darkened state. Uh, Ephesians 5.18 talks about being filled with the Spirit of God. But also verse 17 says, we ought to walk in the light. We ought to walk in love, Ephesians 5.2. And folks, you were in a Christless state. You were in a dark state. And let me just say this, in Romans 6.17, you was in an enslaved state. You were servant of sin. Thanks be to God, salvation set you free. You were a puppet of the devil until Jesus set you free. And folks, I want to tell you something. And to know the truth and the truth will set you free. And to be free by the gospel from the chains of sin, it's amazing grace. You was in a darkened state. You was in a slave state. You was in a hopeless state. Ephesians 2.12, we ought to read that. We referred to it twice. It says that we were, we were uh, alienated. And folks, that we were not only alienated, but we were Christless. And we're without God. Look at Ephesians 2.12. I just read 2.2 about being dead in your sins and trespasses. But Ephesians 2.12 says this. It says that at the time you were without Christ. You were without Christ. You were without life. You were without hope. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope. And without God in this world. But now as Christ, you who are sometimes who are far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I ain't got time to go over all this chapter, but I want to go deep in your remembrance of where God found you. And where you could be tonight if he had not found you. If he had not redeemed you brought you off the, the, uh, the slave market into the freedom. It was a darkened state. It was an enslaved state. It was, a, it was a hopeless state. It was a helpless state. The Bible says in Romans 5, 6, without strength. A sinner without strength. You could not pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And then you was in a cursed state. Galatians 3.10 talks about cursed is everyone. That's not under the blood. And then you was in a guilty state. The Bible says in Romans 3.19, you're guilty before God. And then John 3.18, we got to read this before we close. You was in a condemned state. You were condemned. In John chapter 3 and verse 18. Everybody likes John 3.16. But where did God find you? He found you condemned. It says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath believed because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Folks, you were condemned already. You have the sentence of death. Look at verse 36 of that same chapter. John 3 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's enough to praise God for. Everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Folks, listen. Don't ever forget where God found you, why he found you, because he loved you, 
And what happened after he found you? He redeemed you and set you free and reconciled you to himself. And thank God you're a child of the king and you shouldn't apologize for it. You ought to be thankful. And then we see the healing of the soul in verse 3. Go back to Psalms 103. I'll just give you these. We see in verse 3 it says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all our diseases. And this disease refers to a polluted spring uh, that forms the acts that come out. I want to tell you something. When God saved you, he, 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 he dealt with the source. He healed the source. Thank God for the gospel. Say amen. Thank God that he, he not only heals, but praise God, uh, I mean, uh, forgives, but he heals. He heals all thy diseases. And I said this Tuesday, and I'll say it again. Uh, a lot of people ought to be thankful that you are not sick. But you ought to thank God most of all that you're not sick spiritually and uh, alienated from God and hopeless and helpless and a slave to the devil and on the road to hell. Folks, we ought to bless his holy name for saving us and sanctifying us and securing us. Such a damnable heresy to say that you can have to keep your own salvation by your works. It's such, it low rates the blood of Jesus. We ought to not only forget where God found us, but we need to forget not forget why he found us, but thank God how he found us. Because of his blood. And because he came to us when we couldn't come to him. You know, the Bible says in verse 4, it says he redeemed our life from destruction. That's another thing we shouldn't forget. He redeemed our life from destruction. You were headed for destruction. Eternal damnation. But I mean, on this earth, sin will always pay in the wrong way. Be sure your sins will find you out. Folks, he'll destroy your family. He'll destroy your children. He'll destroy everything about you, even your mind, if you let the devil do it. He's in the destroying, devouring, deceiving business. He's a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And so, folks, he forgives, he heals, but he delivers. He delivers from the spirit of darkness. Thank God. He says, redeemeth our life from destruction. From destruction. Folks, the nature of sin is sometimes compared to a fire. A fire is an element that can neither be weighed nor measured, who can set a boundary on the workings of sin. You can't, you can't measure it. The nature of sin is like fire to mar and destroy all that comes within its grasp. And that it's not able to resist its mighty influence when the fire comes. Sin's unquenchable like fire. As far as wisdom and power of man is concerned, only one who can pull us out of the fire is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude, Jude 20, uh, verse 23 says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by flesh. God delivered you. God rescued you. How can we say it? God redeemed you. God came to you when you wasn't even looking for him and he, and, he, and he gave you a new life. He brought you into the perfect atmosphere of his kingdom, of his dear son. He saved you from the in, unclean and destructive life. You know, it's so disheartening. It's so 
it's so depressing sometimes to see what sin's doing to people's lives. I mean, they spend their life in jail, in prison. Can't even go anywhere they want to go. They can't get out. They're caged up. Folks, their, their family won't speak to them. Their family won't write them. They're just, they're just owned by their own family, a lot of them. Folks, listen, God can intercept that life and crown them with loving kindness and tender mercy. Look at verse 4. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. I like preaching about missing hell, but I also like preaching about experiencing life, loving kindness, and tender mercy. The prodigal son was forgiven. He was healed. He was redeemed. He was crowned. He got a ring, a robe, the shoes, the feast, restored to perfect fellowship. The picture of the perfect father coming for the imperfect son. And then we have the elder brother in the background, jealous, complaining, bickering. Folks, that's a picture of the Christian life. We ought to thank God that the Lord found us in the slop of sin, in the empty husk of sin, and rescued us from that kind of life. Where would you be tonight if it wasn't for God's mercy and His loving kindness? And you know what's so wonderful? He's made you loving and kind. He's made you merciful. Why shouldn't we forgive? He's forgiven us of everything. And then he, then we see, folks, that we shouldn't forget. We shouldn't forget that we've been redeemed in our, 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 our life from destruction. But fifthly, we need to realize that God crowns us with loving kindness and, and tender mercy. And then sixthly, we need to see that God satisfies us. Satisfaction often is sought in some terrible ways. You know, folks, we ought to be fulfilled by Christ's presence in our life. We ought to be fulfilled by His relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. Look at, look at the verse, verse 5. It says, Who satisfy thy mouth with good things, that the youth is renewed like the eagles. When you abide, you become fruitful, John 15. Folks, Psalms 119 says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing. I'm not there yet. But I'll tell you this, friend. I thank God I ain't what I used to be. Psalms 17:15 uh, says that when I awake, I'll awake in his likeness, and then my will be satisfied. So there's a longing to be satisfied in his presence. But folks, it sure is satisfying when his presence meets with us like he has tonight. And he does every morning as we pray and seek his face. Then he, then he, we ought to not forget that he rejuvenates by his power. In verse 15 it says, so that the youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, I'm so excited about this new ministry called FBI. I shared that with Brother Henderson the other day. And I said, would you please pray for a new ministry I'm very excited about? After I left, he said, I can't believe this preacher, he's pastored 42 years and he's still excited about a new ministry in his church. Well, folks, listen to me. 
I get excited when God does something and is doing something. And I believe He will do something through that, through that ministry. And we ought to get excited about it. And if we don't get excited about it, who in the world is going to get excited about it? Folks, listen, we ought to have hope. We ought to be a people of hope. We ought to be a people of eager strength and vision and vigor. Why? Because God is able. God is able. Not cast down. Shepherd left the 90 and 9 and went for the cast down. Folks, I ain't got time to go into it, but Psalms 42, I believe it is, uh, talks about the cast down. Why thy soul uh, so cast down? And it talks about the Lord um, uh, coming after him, picking him up and restoring him. And that's a perfect picture. The heart ought to pan after the water. You ought to be excited about God. You ought to be thrilled about God. You ought to be motivated by God. As Brother Jason taught this morning, we ought to have enthusiasm for God. And folks, we ought to be excited about being here and not just leaving here. We ought to be excited that God put a new want to in our life, a new desire in our life, and there's something wrong in your life if you don't have a desire for holy things. There's something wrong if you miss church and you don't miss it. Or you can just take it or leave it. Or something on your schedule you might work in if you don't have anything else to do and you use God as a leftover instead of a daily bread. God, help us to realize that Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. He's the loving shepherd. He's the leading shepherd. Praise God, he's the saving shepherd. And aren't you glad, I'll close with this, but aren't you glad the day that you went astray? He said, wait a minute. With his staff, he started counting. He said, no, there's one out of the flock. And he went with the staff and the rod and beat the devil off your back. You was already cast down. See, when a sheep gets cast down, they eat too much weed. Y'all not, y'all not hang around that weed, amen? And, uh, and, and, and I mean, bloat themselves till they're just literally gassed out. They flip over on their back and they become paralyzed. I mean, their legs are numb. You ever went, you, your arm ever went to sleep while you're sleeping? Say amen. Some of your heads went to sleep when you were sleeping, amen? I've had that happen. And they're cast down, they can't get up, but here comes the shepherd. And he comes and he beats off the devil, plucks you out of the briars of sin. You're all messed up. You don't even look like a sheep anymore, but God knows you. You're his child. You're his sheep. And he picks you up and he puts you on his shoulder and he brings you back to the flock. And then if you don't learn your lesson, he takes the rod and breaks your leg. But you might be close to the shepherd. Oh, so why thou cast down? Folks, we ought to be so excited about what God could do and should do and has done in our life that we praise Him for His power. We ought to praise Him. He has given us what we haven't deserved. Look at verse 10. He has not dealt with us after our sins, but rewarded us according to our iniquity or rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, verse 11, so great is His mercy towards them 
They fear Him. What a fear Him. It means you ought to respect Him. And folks, if you respect somebody, you know what comes out of your mouth? Praise. You can't help it. You reverence Him to the point that you glorify Him with your life, your words, your actions, your reactions, your transactions. He doesn't give us what we deserve. You know, I love verse 8. I'll just back up and say this. He's patient with us when we blunder. He's patient with us, number 7, when we blunder. Look at verse 8. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. When we mess up, God's patient. How many thank God for the Lord's patience tonight? What well, to a praise Him for His patience. We, he, he knows our mistakes. He even said He knows our frame. We're just dust. We're wretched. We're dead in our sins. Trespass, he raised us up to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He makes us His workmanship. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2. Folks, listen. I ain't got time to just read it. It says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knows our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. He knows our weakness. You ought to thank God the Lord knows you. He knows you can't make it without him. You try. But thank God he works all things together to make you more like Jesus. Praise really changes things because praise puts him where he's at on the throne. And he can even use trouble. He can use trials. And thank God to beat it all. Verse 19, what a praise him for heaven. It says, the Lord has prepared his throne in heaven and his kingdom ruleth over all. I'm glad the Lord saved me. I'm glad the Lord saved my daddy. I'm glad the Lord saved my mama that I had us at home where mama taught me the word of God. And taught me that it was precious. I'll tell you what he also, she also did. She taught me that this Bible can change anybody's life. Anybody's life. Folks, I'll tell you what, we ought to go home. If we don't go home for anything else, we ought to go home thanking God for the gospel. We got the truth. These cults, these Mormons, Miss Burnell, they ain't got the truth. They're trying to, they're trying to add law with grace. They're trying to have more uh, rules and regulations to, 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 to bound these people into service. We got grace. We got the gospel. Aren't you glad God delivered you from religion? Or you'd be as miserable tonight as you walked in here. I heard yesterday, Miss Clara Ray died. It brought back a the whole memory of when we was in the little house and how I put that plank over that little heater from the boiler room downstairs to the heater. It's a 12 by 15 room. The house smelled, it was so old. It smelled like old wood. It smelled like a leaking roof. <laughs> you ever been smelled a leaking roof? And it's, it's, it's this old house. Then the guy downstairs that owned it he had stuff piled up all over the place. The state trooper in our church, Rick, who's with the Lord now, pulled him over for bad tires, no lights, and no blinker. And I said, let's take up an offering for Mr. Manton. He needs some help. 
And somebody said, hey, no, he don't need no help. He's worth $4.6 million. He owns half of North Georgia Electric Corporation. He knew when I-75 was coming on, coming through here before it was built, and he bought up all the land around I-75. He is rich. I said, okay. Thank God for the $75 he's given us. But he lived beneath his privilege. But while we was in that storefront, I said, I, the only way, the, that little house in that storefront, I said, the only way I think we can ever build this church is i got to take the gospel to this, this town. And I'll never forget, on a, I, I said Saturday, but I think it was Thursday, there's a big old apartment complexes where Tim Holsenback lived and Anthony Holsenback lived called the Georgian Apartments. And about 11.30 that morning, I said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to cover every one of these apartments. By the grace of God, I don't care what, how long it takes, I'm going to talk, knock on every door. And I didn't know there was 104 doors in that apartment complex. But I said, I'm going to knock on every one of them, and I'm going to give them the gospel. Nobody was with me that day. Connie couldn't find a babysitter for our eight-month-old little Jason. And I started knocking on doors. And some people cussed me out. And some people didn't like me knocking on the door. Some wouldn't come to the door. You ever you ever hear people uh, inside, you know, they're there and they won't come to the door. What chickens. And I'll never forget, about dark, I left a track on the door. And then the next Sunday, this lady shows up, Miss, Miss Ray. And she was an older lady. Like, I thought she was older. I was 27, so she was probably... 57, I said, man, she's, she's old. Oldest person in our church, 57. And she come walking down the aisle rejoicing and praising God and smiling. And during the invitation, I said, what are you coming forward for? She said, I want to just praise God that somebody from your church left a track on my door Thursday about 8 o'clock and I was scared to go to the door, but I went to the door after, after that somebody left and thank God, I got saved. And I've been a Catholic all my life. And I thought that was the way. And I thought that was the religion I needed. I got saved. And she got so saved that she started getting tracks every Saturday and going over to the mall and leaving them on every windshield in the mall. And so excited. And she'd never meet a stranger. And she was all excited. She wanted to be the Lord. Almost 90 years old, I think. And you know what I thank God for? I thank God that we had a not a fancy church, but we had a church. And we believed the Bible. And we printed up these little tracts with Whitfield Baptist Temple. We changed the name Temple to Church, and everybody thought it was a, a chapel. And we believe that the gospel could change anybody's life. And change that person's life. And thank God she's in heaven tonight. Think about it. She's in heaven tonight because of the power of the gospel. Now friend, if there's nothing else that we ought to rejoice about today. Yes, that we've been saved, but how did we get saved? Somebody brought the gospel to our lives. The death the burial, and the resurrection. We heard it preached. We heard it taught. It was given to us. It was in a track. I don't know how you got it, 
Maybe it was preached, praise God. But thank God you received the gospel somewhere, somehow, and you've been redeemed, and you're going to heaven and not hell. You're living the abundant life, and you're not a slave to sin. Praise be the Lord. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for your gospel. It's changed my life. I don't know where I'd be tonight, but I sure wouldn't be in church. And I sure wouldn't be a preacher of the gospel. I just thank you for the power of salvation, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may we never get over it. And may we have enough courage to praise you for it and to praise God for eternal life.